If you've been with us, we started the book of Colossians last week, and uh, we're going to keep going in the book of Colossians. If you have your Bible, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start, uh, we're going we're gonna to look down through a, a short section and kind of do it verse by verse. We're going to start in verse 15. We're going to talk about this. We exist because of Christ. All right? So if you, if, don't go to sleep on me, but at the end... We're going we're gonna to talk about the fact that everything that is in us, everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we have, all that will become, everything about our character is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, okay? So that's the bottom line of what we're going to talk about this morning. Remember that Paul wrote this letter of Colossians to a church, a little church, probably in a house, and a guy, Epaphras, got saved under the ministry of Paul, and he went back to Colossae, and he, he told his friends and his family about Jesus Christ, and a church was planted. And folks, just so you know that that's kind of the typical, that's how churches start, is someone has a passion for folks who are far from God, and they share the truth about Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done in their heart and their life, and when they do that, the Spirit of God works in people's hearts and draws them to himself, and a church, a body, is planted, begins. And that's what happened with this group of people. And they weren't probably, Epaphras probably didn't have a lot of training. He probably came to know God, came to know Jesus Christ under Paul's ministry. And Paul might have taught him a little bit and then sent him off and he went back home. And he probably didn't have a whole lot of uh, theology books with him. He probably didn't, didn't have a lot of extra manuscripts. There was probably no podcasts that he could listen to. And, and there was no online courses that he could take, okay? And so he goes with the truth that Jesus Christ changed his heart. And he goes back to this town and he shares what happened. And, and folks start coming to faith. And in the middle of that, there's also other people who live in the town who come from different backgrounds, right? And some of them come from a Jewish background and they lived under the law and they understood the law and they're looking at this whole thing of Jesus Christ and they're going, no way, if you don't keep the law, there's no way you can have a relationship with God the Father. And they're telling these young believers in Jesus Christ, hold it, hold it, you still got to hold on to the law. And then there's other people who are coming from a Gentile background, which is completely pagan. They believe in whatever God is out there. We'll do whatever it takes to satisfy whatever God. It's not rules and regulations. It's whatever we feel like at this moment. And they're looking at these young believers and they're saying, hey, you can do anything. It doesn't matter. Just whatever. Whatever God happens, somebody talks about, do something to make them happy. And then there's another group of people who are there at the same time. And they're talking about the stars. And the stars line up and tell us the way that we should live. And they're talking about mediums. And they're saying, look, there's a spirit world that's out there that wants to direct your life and give you hints about what would be good for your life and the way that you should go in life. And so Paul writes this letter. And in writing this letter to these, these young believers in this little church, and he says this, hey, hey. It's Christ. Forget all the other stuff that people are telling you. It's Christ. We exist because of what Christ has done. It's all about Christ. And so last week we were talking about that and we said this, because we are in Christ, we pray for our brothers and sisters. 
And we talked about this, that our prayer isn't just for the physical state that we find ourselves in. It's not bad for us to pray about our health. It's, it's not bad for us to pray about the physical state that we find ourselves in. But Paul reminds us that this, look, there's something more important than the physical state we find ourselves in. It's the spiritual state that we find ourselves in. And so his prayer for these believers was that they would understand who God the Father is and that the Spirit of God would have his ability to work in their life so that they would be strengthened in their heart and their soul and they would come to experience the power that is found in the resurrected Savior. And they would be redeemed and reconciled to God in such a way that it would spill out to the world and fruit would be produced because of the life they have in Jesus Christ. And he ends that, that's where we ended last week, verse 14, and we're going to pick it up in verse 15, because here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, and I'm going to give you the last line first, because last week I didn't say it right at the end, and people reminded me, which is fine, it's good, because I do this. I get all wrapped up in what I'm doing, and I forget what I'm supposed to do. So here's the question, remember, what does it mean to be in Christ? Ask it with me, right? What does it mean to be in Christ? Say it with me. It's not up there. Oh, yeah, it is. What does it mean to be in Christ? Okay, so this week, we're going to ask the question once again, what does it mean to be in Christ? And I'm going to finish with this line. Because I am in Christ, I acknowledge that everything is wrapped up in him. Let me say that again. Because I am in Christ, I acknowledge that everything is wrapped up in him. And you say, Pastor Jim, what, what, what are you trying to get at? Well, here, here, let me give you a background. Let me help you understand. If you're not in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then everything's wrapped up in you. Let me say it again. If you're not in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then everything is wrapped up in you. How I feel, what makes me happy, what's good for my family, what's good for my relationships, What's good for my security? Where do I want to end up at the end of my life? How do I want people to view me? It all wrapped up in me if I'm not in Christ. If I'm in Christ, then I have to acknowledge the fact that it is no longer about me. It is all about Jesus Christ. And so now it's no longer how do I feel? How do I view it? What do I think? What do I hope? It's no longer that. It's What does Jesus Christ want from me? What does it take for me to honor the person who is willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice on my behalf? What does it take for me to place him, number one, first and foremost in my life? Totally different view. And that's what we want to talk about. And that is actually what this next passage is going to be all about. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. We're going to read them. They're on the screen. Why don't, why don't we just read those together, okay? If, if you can see those, read with me. Okay, here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is above all things, and by him all things hold together. 
first thought you want, if you've got a pen and a paper, write this down. Here's the first thought, verses 15 to 17. It's this. Christ is central, or the centrality of Christ. He's the center. He's it. There's nothing else. This is what scripture, this is what Paul writes to this little church. He stops and he writes at the very beginning of his letter and he says, guys, I need you to focus on something really, really important and that's this, Christ If you're in Christ, if you've realized that he paid the price for your sin, if you realize that God the Father loved you so much when he created you, and he created you in his very image, and he wanted that relationship that was broken by sin to be restored, and he made a way for that relationship to be restored through his son, Jesus Christ, by paying the ultimate price that you could not pay, which is death. But not just death, coming back to life, living again. And Jesus Christ did that on our behalf. And if you get that, then you understand this, that he is the center. He is central. He is number one. He is it. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And he explains that to us. He says, the image, at the very beginning of this, he says, he is the image of God. I looked that up. And that means this, the exact expression of If you look at Jesus Christ, you see God. That's what it means. It's not like a likeness of, it's the exact expression of God. And the characters of Jesus Christ, the characteristics that make up Jesus Christ, his being, his person, are the exact same as the Father. They're no different. He's an exact expression of God. Hebrews 1.3 says it this way, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by the power of his word. Jesus Christ, the Godhead. There's another word in this that he uses that sometimes can, can confuse us a little bit, and it's the word firstborn over all creation. Often when we hear that, we mean, oh, he was born, he was created, he was made, and that's not what the word means at all. The word means in rank. It means number one in rank is what it actually means. That's that's the, 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 when you break that word apart, it's not talking about a created being at all. It's, It's talking about position, number one in rank. He's first, rated number one in all of creation, all that exists, all that there was. He's first. If you read verse 16, it starts and it says, for everything, and and maybe an easier way for us to understand that would be this, because everything was created by him. That means this, he wasn't created and then started creating, okay? That's the picture Paul's saying. He's saying this, he was ranked number one and he created all things. You go, hold it, Genesis says that the Godhead created, God the Father, and that's because they're all together. If you look in Genesis, they created together is that Jesus Christ created all things. Everything he created. All that we see and all we don't see. Hey folks, listen to this. That verse tells us that all authorities and all powers, anyone in leadership, they were placed there by God. Jesus Christ was part of that. You may not like how leadership is functioning, but God is in control of that. 
He was before all that ever was. He holds all things together is what this verse says. It says this, that God through Jesus Christ is holding all things. Jesus has it in his hands and he's holding it all together. This is not a tenuous situation where he's up there grasping and going, here, I got to get it all. I got to keep it together. I don't know what these humans are doing. It's not God. It's not Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us this, that Jesus has got it all held together. He has everything in his hand and in his control. It's incredible to me. He's not sitting in heaven right now saying, man, I hope they don't up the ocean one more degree. That's what we hear, right? Uh-oh, if the, if the sun gets a little closer, they're going to fry. He's got it all in control. He's Christ. He's the central one. He's the created, the creator who created everything that we have and everything that we know. He's got it in his hands. Isn't it good to know that one? I think it's awesome. To know the one who is central, who pulls it all together. He's not sitting in heaven, biting his nails, hoping something doesn't go wrong. That's not what God is doing. Not Jesus Christ is doing. He's got it. And here's the thing that I love. Jesus Christ cares about what he created, and he carefully watches and guides and looks after it. I love that. I think about this often when I look around myself and I see all that God has created and I realize that he did it for his sheer pleasure. He enjoyed the process of creating. And even when he made us, Robert, as kind of crazy as we might look at times, he enjoyed creating us. We are the joy of his creation. And what God, through Christ, created, he enjoys and he cares for, and he looks after. He cares for us. His created ones. He loves us. He's not going to take his hands off. Second thought that you want to get found in verse 18. Why don't you read that with me as well? He is also the head of the body, the church. Ready? Read with me, okay? He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. What's it say? First place in what? Everything. Not some things, not a few things, not one or two things, but everything. I don't think you got that. How many things? Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. The head here, the head of the church, means this. It means the source. It means the beginning place, okay? I like to fish. And when we go fishing, we go up in northern Canada, we go up, we go up fishing, and we fish some brooks. And one of the things that, that my dad and an older gentleman that my dad fished with for years who showed us where these brooks were, he showed us this, that often going into these brooks is a little spring. There's little streams that make up those brooks. And if the fishing gets really slow and you're wading along in the stream, and it's slow, and there's not much going on, look for one of the little springs. And when you find the little spring that's coming in, follow it. 
And you will often find somewhere in the course of that, now it's difficult. It's not for the faint of heart to follow those little springs, those little streams. But if you're willing to go there, you will often find a pool or a beaver pond or something at some of the headwaters of that little spring, and it will be full of fish. And the reason is because nobody else took the effort to go there. It's the beginning. It's the source. It's the first place. That's the picture here. The picture is that Jesus Christ is the source. He's the pool. He's the beginning place. He's the spring that feeds all that is the church. I love this picture. And so this verse is saying this, that not only is Christ central, he's a central figure, but he is the head of the church. He's the beginning place of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 say it this way. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so it is also with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We are all giving one, given one spirit to drink. We are all in one body. That body is headed, looked after, controlled by Jesus Christ. Now, there's a problem with this, not with the verse, <laughs> not with the fact that when we come to know Jesus Christ, we're placed in the body and we're given gifts that are supposed to support the head. They're supposed to point toward the head, Jesus Christ. They're supposed to help the head, Jesus Christ, fulfill the mission of the church on earth. The problem is with us, right? We get messed up in the church. Here's why. We want to be the head. We want to decide what we should believe. We want to decide what parts of Scripture we should accept or reject. We want to do what we think is fair. We want to do the things that make people like us. But here's a question. What does this verse say? Who's the head? Not a trick. Who's the head? Who's the head? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Who started this whole thing called the church? Who? Jesus Christ. Who makes the church work? Who? Some of you are sleeping. I haven't changed, we haven't changed the answer all the way through. It's been the same. <laughs> Who includes us in the church? Jesus Christ. Who's the beginning of the church? So whose church is it? Yeah, it's Christ's church. He's the head of the church. And here's the key thought of this entire passage. It's found in this verse at the very end. In this verse, it says this, so that he might have first place in what? Everything. Everything. Guys, stop with me for a minute. Not trying to be funny. We're our own worst enemy. Christ is central. All things exist because of Christ. 
He loved all that he created, including us. And he looked at us and he said, the best thing for them is if I create a body, in that body, if I am the head who looks at that body and directs that body and makes that body function in a way that is good for all the members, and I will do that for that body. I will care for it. I will love it. I will provide everything that it needs if it will only listen to me. And we go, but God, I got this one. (laughs) But God, I know what's best for your church. But God, I like this. They don't. But God, I want to love this type of people. But God, I like whatever it is. You fill it in. And Paul looks at this group of believers and he says, guys, remember this. Christ is central. He's the central figure. He's first. He's foremost. He's the head. He's the source. He's the beginning. And the church functions and lives and moves and has its being only because of the head. And every time you remove the head, Jesus Christ, from the church, the church will die. Every time. It's a guarantee. Every time you say, I know better than what Christ set up in Scripture. Every time you look at the Word of God and say, oh, but we need to do this. I I know this is old. God didn't get it. Christ didn't understand. Our culture is different. Our society is different. Our needs are different. And every time you walk away from Scripture, the church dies. It loses its mission because it lost its head. Christ is the head And because of him, everything that exists has meaning. That's you and me. Your meaning is wrapped up in who Christ is. I love this next section, and let me make a statement before we get into it. It's this. Christ is not doing this whole headship of the church thing on his own. (laughs) I love this about the Godhead. The Godhead is not fighting against each other in heaven. They're not saying, look at me, Jesus. And the Spirit's saying, no, watch what I do. And the Father's saying, no, but I'm the one who's over it all. They're not. They're working together in unison. The Godhead, and we don't understand how this all works. We can't. We're human. We're limited. We're not really all that smart, quite honestly. And we struggle to understand. But we do know this, that the Godhead works all together. We understand that. And Jesus Christ, being the head, being the central figure, is not working by himself. He is working with the heart of his Father. He's working with the praise and the blessing of his Father. Let me show you that. Verses 19 to 20. It says this. Read it with me. We'll try this one more time. I know it's getting warmer, but okay, bear with me. You can read, okay? Here we go. 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That him right there is Christ, by the way. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. I love these verses. I love verse 19. It says it this way. It says, for God was pleased to have all his 
fullness. The fullness is this. The sum total of the completeness of God is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. A perfect picture of God is found in Jesus Christ. To dwell, and that dwell there means this. It means to make his home permanently in Jesus Christ. In other words, they're together. They live together. They share the same address. They spend all their time together. They are together, 100% together. He was pleased to have the fullness of God dwell permanently. It's not Jesus, the little picture of a big God. That's not it. It's Jesus, a complete picture of a complete God. That's Jesus Christ. But I need you to stop with me in verse 20, and I need you to pay attention, okay? Don't lose. Don't don't drift right now. This is really important that you stay with me in this next verse. Verse 20 says this, and through him to reconcile, it's the word again, everything to himself. Let me say it this way. Man, in the Garden of Eden, you and I included, declared war on God. Think about this. When mankind said, I'm smarter than God, by saying, I can do what I want. I can do things my own way. I can be my own person. We sinned against God, and the moment we sinned against God, we declared war on the God who created us. And God could have looked at us and said, oh, the ants are declaring war. Squish. He could have. We are created beings. But instead, when we declared war on God, God declared peace for mankind. Get it? We declared war on God and our sin, and God looked down and declared peace, not because he was afraid, not because he was weak, but because he loved us. He declared peace. That's what this verse is saying. Verse 20 is saying, look, God looked ahead. He saw us and he said, I want that relationship reconciled. I want to make a way that this could be right. And even though they're down there shaking their tiny fist in my face, declaring war, I will declare peace and I will make peace through a sacrifice of my son, Jesus Christ on the cross for them. Jesus Christ is central (laughs) to our relationship with God. He is so important to our relationship with God. He reconciled us to, to, to himself by the blood of Jesus Christ. No one else could do it for us. And I love this verse because it doesn't just say he did it for man. It says he did it for everything in heaven and everything on earth. God is re- reconciling the entire earth to himself. He'll create a new heaven and a new earth one day. But Romans tells us this, that the whole earth is groaning with our sin. With our sin. And Jesus Christ is reconciling the heavens and the earth back to the glory of the Father. What an incredible thought. Jesus, get this, is a free pass to the Father. Jesus is a free pass to the Father. Now, 
There was a great price paid for that path. It was his life. And he saw you, not just me. He saw every one of you that's seated in this room. And he said, I'll pay the price for them. No one else would, but I will. So they could be made right with the Father. His free pass promises freedom, promises hope. It promises a new relationship with our Creator. Everything you need is found in Christ. Did you get it? Everything you need is found in Christ. Jesus has taken care of it all. Your sin, your broken relationships, your addictions, your guilt, your discouragement, your feelings of inadequacy. Jesus Christ has taken it all on himself for you. Because I am Christ, because I am in Christ, I acknowledge that everything is wrapped up in him. Are you at that point yet? Are you at that point yet? You can be. The price has been paid for you already. Father, would you help us to understand the depth of your love for us in sending your son, the central figure, the one who created all things, the one who loved us so much that he was willing to follow out the plan of the Father to reconcile us, to make our relationship with you right. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for being willing to go to the cross so that I could be free. I could have hope. I could have a new lease on life. God, I pray that each one would understand the depth of your love for them this morning. In your name we pray.